tuning in to the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, After Buzzers. You are watching the After Buzz TV After Show for HBO's Looking Season 2, Episode 10, the finale called Looking for Home. I am so excited to say that we have a very special guest on our show with us today, the one and only Daniel Francesi, also known as Eddie. Welcome. Hey, what's up? It's good to be here. I'm your host, Kylie Hodges, and my two lovely co-hosts to the left are... Hi, guys. I'm Blake McIver. Hey, y'all. I'm Kelly Knezovich. We are so excited to have you here. Yeah, we are. Yes, welcome. Thank you. I am happy to be here. (laughs) I feel like I might accidentally call you Eddie at some point. Because I'm just, every time I see you, I just keep thinking, Eddie Bear! Eddie, where's Augustine? Now now that you've said it, you've made it a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, Daniel, I'm sorry, whatever I call you. Whatever. What's up, Danny? You know, it's all the same. Yeah, what's up, Danny? What's up, Danny? Danny. Come on, Danny, for me. (laughs) This finale, uh... I I don't I don't know how I feel. I truly have a lot of mixed feelings at the end of this episode. How do you guys feel? It was a big I actually had a big like shift in perspective at the end of this episode. Interesting. We'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, no, I was shocked yeah. by by how I felt at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a mess. I had a <laughs> lot of feelings. Um, I, I was a good mess. Very, though, very, right? oh. It was a good mess. Yes, okay. I, you guys aren't going to talk crap while I'm here, right? <laughs> oh, well, no. I guess the show's over. There's, the only crap I'll be talking is about Kevin, because I'm forever Team Richie. <laughs> <Hashtag> team Richie. <laughs> the inter- half of the internet hates me because I loved Richie that much. Well, you kind of got your wish, kind kind of. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know what I got. Yes, no one really knows. <laughs> I don't know what I got yeah. until we find out in season three. This so, happens. we we this episode is primarily Patrick and Kevin mm-hmm. because a lot of answers came for you and your character in the previous episode right, where that, you yeah. locked it down with Augustine. Right. Yeah, we finally became Augustetti. I ship it hard. We I shipped it the been, minute you were in water. Yes. Together. Together. From the skinny dip on, we were in. As soon waiting as your skin time. was moist, <laughs> I was shipping away. Shipping. Um, so the episode starts where um, Patrick is moving in to moving in with Kevin mm-hmm. and it seems like it's a fancy building. It reminded me of a downtown LA lot. Absolutely. There's just cement everywhere and key fobs for everything. Yeah. And uh he meets his neighbors in the elevator, Jake and Milo. Um and they seem friendly, they seem fun and they're all very aware they that seem he's very being, friendly. Yes. <laughs> very friendly. <laughs> And, and he like acknowledges them. that. Yeah. Well, this whole building seems like it's a, a fun place to live. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he meets Kevin inside their new unit. And the one thing that stood out to me was when Patrick sees the Field of Dreams poster. And he's kind of startled by it. 
and I would have been. I'd been like a little you, ew. Because yeah. it's huge. Yeah. It's literally floor to ceiling. I know. I mean, no offense. Great, great movie. I was like, going to say. <laughs> I don't like, in my living room? I don't know. I don't like, want to stare like, at Kevin Costner. You want to give me like a serial mom or a she-devil moment? I'd be All like, right. oh, this guy's cool. But like, Field of Dreams. Yeah, well, to each to each <laughs> his <girl>. own. <laughs> you got it. Everyone has that one thing, I guess. For Kevin, it's Kevin Costner. Well, for Kevin, it's a for couple me, it's a futon. You love futons? Oh, you hate that? I'm like, nope. We're That's your yeah. yeah. I've been I've been severely anti futons and muggles since. Like, <laughs> since Are you like, a big Harry Potter fan? I am. Yeah. Is that? What is like your number one favorite movie? I'm totally derailing this. I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, my favorite. Yeah, first like number one. one. Because I was the first one. Because it like I loved the book so much that I was so stoked that it captured it so well that I was like, this is gonna be a great journey. <laughs> if you could be in Harry Potter, which character would you be? I mean, they'd probably cast me as Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> but who would you cast yourself as? Halloween. No type casting. Halloween Hagrid. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> Halloween Hagrid. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> Um, who would I want to be? Mm-hmm. Probably Harry. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. I uh, He has to, like, almost die a lot, though. I don't know if I would be in this. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds scary and painful. Like, oh, you guys, it's okay. You can go to the club. I'm just going <laughs> to climb, climb some rocks and fall down for another eight hours. Like, knowing the truth behind the scenes is probably better off. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just be, like, Hedwig the Owl or something. Yeah, just be, like, the extra drinking butterbeer in all yeah, the scenes. Exactly. That's the best I'm the role. sorting hat. Uh, you guys, <laughs> this was I great. This. See you at the premiere. <laughs> Oh, I wish there was like a looking Harry Potter mashup now. That would be great. Um, back to my show. Yeah. I'm try- yeah. <laughs> That's my way of transitioning back I'll to the topic. I'll just do it. And looking. <laughs> Fobs and dudes that want to hook up. <laughs> so what I was getting at the Field of Dreams thing was that I feel like he's moving in with a guy that he really doesn't know that well. And I know that we've talked a lot in past episodes about we don't really know what the timing is for this show. Um, and I don't know, do you, do you have any, want to give any input as to like how that, things... Oh, move? the timing? The timing yeah, jumps like, around on, on the show. Yeah. But, yeah. There, but, you know, what's really interesting is stuff that is so clear in the script. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know how many people are really going to catch that, you know? Right. Like, which I find is really interesting. Like, like what? Uh, well, I don't want to jump further Go in the it. episode, but when um, Kevin shows up on Grinders, Romford... The the guy in there's a, there's a very subtle he's the closest guy to us like that line oh, yeah. that I think like people miss and to me that read so much in the script because I would have that would have been the thing that's been like he's in the room you know what I mean like whoever this is and it's on now like yeah. and I think that's something I really just love about our show the subtlety of it you know I mean I've seen each episode probably twice. You know, mm-hmm. and because uh, you know they gave them to us in advance to talk to press, and then we get to see them again in the air. And uh, I, I find out, you know, I'm like, oh, there's that thing, or there's this thing that I found out when I listened to it alone with earphones, you know, on my computer, compared to when I watched it in a room full of people with with TV. Like there were things that I was picking up, and that was one of them. You know, that little. Ins- but it's the same thing with time. Time will jump, but they'll explain it. You know, like mm-hmm. for like in a, in a different way. Uh, the you know, episode where Patrick's arms hurt, and then we cut to the next episode, and he's healed, mm-hmm. and it's like, right. it's like, okay, so then there's some time, and then they'll be like, well, that was two weeks ago, and you'll be like, oh, okay, you know, what I mean, if you're really listening, but I think that we don't sit around all day and 
and say, well, it was exactly yeah. seven days since I saw you the last time, you know? Like, I have did you map. do all your character work in between? Did you, <laughs> did you know exactly where you were the day before? <laughs> so I think the time jumps are uh, important to notice. You know, I agree. For, for, like, uh, in the first episode, we meet at Russian River, right? Me and Augustine. But then um, he's going to go meet my friend Eddie at the club. Like, we must have texted or saw each other or talked or something. And how much time has passed? Is it like, you know, that kind of thing. Because I think it was, what, three or four episodes ago? It was the Halloween party, mm-hmm. or five episodes ago. And then we're, uh, they were talking about moving in together. And it was like, I just want to have Christmas here. And, you know, so then we mm-hmm. knew it was, what, a couple months since then. So Yeah. Well, actually, someone tweeted at me over the weekend. And I feel like of all the tweets I've gotten about the timing of the show, this one makes the most sense to me. At um, Phil Bond said, Pat's mom made a reference to his sister at the zoo that she's been married for about three months. So, and Kevin made a comment to Patrick's mom that the last two months have not been without drama. So we can guess that they've more or less been dating two months by the time they move in together. See, Which, those are the exact type of things that if you really, you are really listening. Yeah. I know. That's why it's called looking, because you've got to look for the details. <laughs> if you were in a relationship like Kevin and Patrick's, would you move in with him after two months? See, I, I thought we were going to talk about this later on. but I, Go for it. But, like, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, yeah. I don't think Patrick's wrong for making that decision. Okay. I think whenever it comes to matters of the heart, you have to take a leap. And what's going to happen with that is you, you might get hurt. And that's the risk that you're taking in order to get the great reward. I like that. I just, I just don't know if it was with the right guy. You know, as we saw, maybe for him, you know, because Kevin, everyone's got somebody. But in that moment, I, I, I don't think that Patrick was wrong for saying, okay, I'm going to try this, you know? Yeah. I mean, he didn't give up his place, so. No, that's smart. Yeah. Always yeah. have a backup. Always have a backup. <laughs> Always have an exit. <laughs> Always have your apartment. Yes. Never <laughs> give up that apartment. And that way they can go, and you can even go and have your two Just days off. Get right to it. Grinder, abort, mission, you know? I've throughout this whole series, I feel like I've always been very protective in like a motherly way towards Patrick, and so that's kind of my reasoning why I'm I'm not anti Kevin, but I just I see a lot of red flags, and so like you're saying, just listen to your heart, and you know if it feels well, right, go for it. My mother says something completely different. My mom should be on this panel, really. Yeah, like, she, that's what we should let's call been. her. No, but, but she literally is like, I need to sit Patrick down and tell him stay away from that Kevin, like from like the beginning. <laughs> From like the beginning, moms know, you know. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you get a little. I don't know. I guess he's a little digmatized or something. (laughs) (laughs) Life wouldn't be as interesting if you always went the safe route, too. You know, I mean, if he. Well, he's changed so much though since the first episode of the first season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's getting there. He's growing. But he's been longing for like this search of you know he you know. there's a great, uh, I'm going to totally paraphrase this, but there was a great article that came out in the New Yorker about looking that I just read that was just so interesting um, that was saying that, like, you know, Patrick's too old, too old to have taken a boy to prom, but, like, too young to have dealt with uh, a lot of the drama of, like, the, the crisis you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like he's in this weird place where um, he wants to find something and doesn't know what it is and can't find it. Or, or no, too young to deal with... Uh, to uh, to be dreaming of the the gay utopia and mm-hmm. that's what it was, and he's like um, uh, in that place that I, I think you know I'm 36 I kind of feel similar to that you know um, in a lot of ways just where where his place fits in the gay landscape. And I think that that's a common problem that, uh, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you're gay, great, we all accept it, you know? And now what? 
you know, mm. and then it's like, well, now what do I need? What where you know? And I think that um, you know, it's it's interesting how naive he is a lot of the time. But I know a lot of people that way. Yeah. So, do you feel like there's some sort of? Um, are you are you saying that maybe like before you're out, you think that all these things are going to change after you're out, and then once you're out, it's like, okay, I'm out now. What? Well, you know, he, he he's, he's a video game designer. He lives in San Francisco. Like, I think that a lot of people think I'm interesting and I'm moving to this interesting place, and my life therefore will be interesting. Like the city oh, and the people will take me to what it has to be, and yeah. then all of a sudden, when you start searching for that thing, that so many problems arise from that because. Ultimately, when you're comfortable with yourself and you just be, things do arise. But I think that Patrick's, you know, flandering a lot because he's still trying to figure out what his place is in all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's uh, part of the part of his story that I find so interesting. That's such a, a quarter life crisis type, yeah. Feeling too. Whereas, yeah. whereas, like Eddie, um, my character has been through it and has seen a bunch of stuff and has dealt with everything. He knows exactly who he is, where he stands. You know, won't take Augustine's BS because he's, he hears it from the kids at the shelter all the time and all this other stuff. So he just sort of knows exactly where he is. He's like planted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Patrick's somebody that's like not. He has some life to him. He's growing in some places, but in other places, like he's still like you know a seedling. Would you would you describe him as immature? Emotionally immature, in in some ways, I wouldn't think of him as an immature man. Sure. But I think of I think of him like emotionally, he's got some things that still are underdeveloped. Yeah, I mean, at least in my opinion. So then, when it comes to this episode, when they're when they're in the party and they realize that this could possibly be like a swingers party, right? Is it is it that Patrick is? Naive, or that he—he's just too young to fully grasp it, or is it? I mean, I would have reacted the same as him if I was at a party and realized, like, yeah. oh, this is a key swap. <laughs> like, let's see enough yeah. to start going down, and then we'll make her. Yeah, mural party. Yeah, it's just funny. I thought it was funny how like Kevin. I feel like Kevin played it way cooler when they realized that it was like. Something it could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Patrick was just kind of like, well, look at Patrick in uh, uh, the episode, uh, the Halloween episode, where he's, you know, I'm going to be a fun gay. You know, <laughs> it's this whole thing about like, well, people who are fun don't go like, let's be fun today. <laughs> <laughs> you know let's I mean? get together and just be fun. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like in a yeah. lot of ways, and it seems like he's always searching for that kind of mentality. And I think also in the uh, uh, in the Russian River, he was like, let's just do fun things where we're sitting around and playing board games and whatever. And so here's an opportunity where in his new relationship. In his new life, he's just like, I'll stay. You know, he's like, he instead of like outwardly saying it, he's just trying to just go with the flow and be fun because he, I think he feels freer now that he's like in this relationship. You hmm. know, before it blew up on him. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, and then it, and then it, it it's about to blow up. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, so he's at the party and he hears Milo and Jake, and they're on Grinder, and they say, "What is it, Rumford? Is that the Romford? Romford, which is uh, where the he's town from. Grew up yeah. in, yep, and so." You see the look on Patrick's face immediately process it and go, holy shit, I think that's Kevin. He leaves the party, he confronts Kevin, and Kevin gets around to admitting that he was he had Grinder open on his phone. How would you guys feel mm-hmm. if this happened to you? <laughs> okay, here's the first problem. But, but Patrick strike one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from zero to 60 yes. before asking the first question. And the first question would be, are you on Grindr? Yes. Okay. Or any of the leading questions. But he goes goes immediately emotional. So, like, first reaction, overreaction. Right. Like, 
For, it's just it's too much. Yeah. yeah. If you know, if you love the guy, the guy loves you. Like you, you're trying to make it work. You ask the question first before you get like emotionally invested, Kelly. Wow, Doctor um, Phil over here. Yeah, I was gonna say you just gave me a lot to think about. Because um, I would have done that. I yeah, and I think I probably would have as well because it's just something you don't expect, and I think it. Well, I don't think Patrick expected it. I think Patrick assumed that they were exclusive. Which, to be honest, as of you were watching the show, I did as well. I didn't, I mean, they never had that talk. And um, we didn't really understand. As much as Kevin says, I want to be with you, that doesn't mean I want to be exclusive with you. That just means, hey, like, I want to be boyfriends. Or the gray area of what that means for the uh, both of them. Yeah, exactly. Because Kevin may say, I want to be with you. And Kevin knows damn well what that means. But Patrick's like, oh, you want to be with me? You know, it's like, it's... Like you said, Gray, there's no, nobody's really talked about the specifics yet. And then they get to this situation. And it's a mess, and I got really stressed out. <laughs> what do you think? I, I mean, that that fight that they had was so impassioned. I mean, that's some that's conversations in all different aspects, all different sexualities that people have had with, yes. you know. Um, and and I, I, think, I do think you should have done a little more research. I mean, to me, like, if you meet a guy... In a situation like where they're cheating, that you know, then you have to be wary about a lot of things and ask a lot of questions, a lot of mm-hmm. more questions than normal. But this just goes back to Patrick's lack of experience, yeah. you know, and um, he's learning all the tough lessons in front of us, which is really embarrassing for him, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good though. He has no idea we're all watching. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> so true. I mean, if I found out that my boyfriend had Tinder on his phone, I would be irate. But I'd, I would have also assumed it didn't need to be a conversation. He would have just understood that I thought that's gone now that we are together. We are exclusive. And I bet Patrick did the same thing. He assumed they were on the same page. Well, the zero to 60 thing, I mean, he just moved in. I mean, I think that that day didn't need to be on it. Like, if this happened, like, a month from now, and I'm like, why are you on that? Like, that's weird. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But, like, the day, you're like, oh, I'm moving in. Let's see who's, you know, gonna just randomly text me their privates. But Kevin doesn't have an issue with that, though. Kevin is completely fine with it. That's who he is. And I was shocked to see that. I I was surprised that it was the day that he moved in. You know, I would have figured it would have been like, okay, you know, a couple weeks down the the line. Kevin even said, like, I was waiting to have this conversation. Yeah, so I don't think he wanted anybody to... Well, earlier in the season when Kevin chose John and they had that moment with the spin art party, you know, at at Most Dangerous Games, and he was like, he was, you know, that's the strongest I've ever seen Patrick. That was like when I was like, wow, Patrick's really... Standing up to him, and he's like, "Well, you made your choice. I don't have to stay at the party, right? And that required while well, I'm going home. Like I was yeah. like, that's like the Patrick that I think this has been like slowly creeping through. But then I think the, the emotional roller coaster of going to Doris's dad's funeral and mm-hmm. coming back and and you know um, being hurt, and then like seeing him there and him saying finally, like you know, I think that that just let down a lot of guards that Patrick has been painstakingly building up this whole season, uh, you know, of of, of uh, calluses." That just like we're gone, you know, and he, and that's where he probably neglected to ask those questions and like find out that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just like I wasn't surprised that Kevin was on Grinder, but my reaction was like, of course, like I that knew that there was going to be something yeah, that happens with Kevin that would make me like 
irritated. It sparked a huge debate in my house. Like, really? Yeah, between myself, my boyfriend, and my mother, who were like, you know, they were just like, would you think that's okay? And I'm like, no, I don't think it's okay, but I'm not surprised, like you said, you know? Um, and uh, I was like, you know, as soon as I started dating my boyfriend and I knew that I wanted to, like, date him, all of, all of those kind of, like, Tinder and all that were gone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's not even a conversation we needed to have. So for me, yeah. that's just the type of person I am. And I think it's the type of person Patrick is, but there are different types of people and there's different rules and stuff like that and I think they just really needed to sort it out before yeah. before going all the way through with it. Yeah. Patrick is also learning that those type of people exist. I think he's always yeah. assumed everyone is like him. It's it's very black and white. You're either dating somebody or you're not dating somebody. There's open relationships didn't seem like an option Which for him. Which is bizarre though because Dom and Lynn had an open relationship so he yeah. has been exposed to it before. That's true. But he was never. But he's never actually been involved in, in one. Yeah. So then, when the fight g- goes down to the parking ramp, and this is when it's just emotional, and Patrick is crying, and and he's telling Kevin, um, basically, he says, "Right now, I want monogamy, but maybe in ten years that could change. But right now, this is what I want." We never really get an answer from Kevin as to like where this leads them and like if I mean I'm like I'm like give me some answers but you don't know them because there's no season three and I'm just I'm all worked up right now and you I know, don't know how to deal with it. One thing I really loved about this conversation that um I felt like it was like a ten minute long conversation. Mm-hmm. Um Patrick said something that I feel really struck me in. I'm sure it struck you guys as well. He said, you know, what if you go down to get a bagel? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to think that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know if I've ever personally seen a show where they kind of discuss uh, before someone cheats as opposed to after. I mean, we always see the aftermath of someone cheating. But this kind of discusses the jealousy and the issues that come before the cheating, I, I if actually there I don't even know. Who knows? The the justified paranoia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And would you call it cheating if it's an open relationship? Not uh, if it's a massage. <laughs> it doesn't even count if it's a massage. <laughs> That's right. My bad. <laughs> what am I thinking? Not a Wankenstein. <laughs> no, uh, but it's like what it really comes down to is trust at this yeah. point, and it's like, and if Patrick can't trust. That they're going to be honest about what goes on, and is he even okay if well, stuff does go on? That's the thing. On. I think yeah. that Kevin would be honest as to what goes on, <laughs> I but I don't think too. that he would abide by <laughs> Patrick's rules. Not that Patrick has rules, but you know, it wouldn't abide by what Patrick wants. And, right. and I think it kind of comes down to respecting too, perhaps. Yeah. Well, they need to. I mean, it, they need to define things. Mm-hmm. They need to define what is a relationship and an open relationship, and what is cheating, and all of those things. I mean, I just, I the whole episode, I was very one sided, and I could only relate to Patrick. Well, um, there is that whole group of like, um, you know, like the Milo and Jake like guys that are into that sort of thing yeah. and then they moved into that building and I think Patrick had like a Stepford moment where he was like is everybody everybody's yeah. <laughs> a swinger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a it's world a lot to process yeah poor guy well I mean if anything his stuff is already in boxers boxes so <laughs> if I he needs it. to go like doing the practical I'm, assessment it's Mama Kylie over here stuff is in boxers <laughs> No, but okay. if he needs to escape, now's the time to do it. <laughs> but back to party fouls on yes. this conversation. Yes, please like, do. 
strike two. Okay. Oh yeah, your strikes. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. The stri- strike two. Kevin literally hands him the phone and it's like, go ahead, look at look at pictures that I've potentially sent, messages I've potentially sent. It's nothing's there. Look at it. Look look through my grinder history. Like really someone like who says that doesn't have anything to hide. Uh, I don't know. I think it's the reverse. Somebody who says that's pre-planned and deleted. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I thought. Oh, come on, man. I thought thought it seemed smart enough to do something. Why have it? Why have it? Like, what's the purpose? To Thank see, you. he says, to, don't you want to see what gays are lurking in the shadows? But it's like, who? Why? What <laughs> do you, you care? What do you care? We met Jake and Milo. We saw everybody at the party. Like, what? Like, who? Are you going to have a conversation? Are you hoping someone accidentally sends you something? Yeah. Like, why? How many friendships are formed on Grinder? Like, just <laughs> friendships, just you know? Just friends, guys. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought it was a friendship app, no? Yeah, no. <laughs> just friends. I mean, Max, do you want to be friends? I'm sure that happens, but not, especially not with someone with a blank profile. Like, no, what's going that's down? shady. It's so shady. Yeah, that is really shady. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to make a Grinder profile tonight that's just going to say Femme for Femme Friends. <laughs> Wait, and here's another thing. Here's another thing. One thing we really didn't discuss either, which yeah. is interesting, is it's not like he had the profile and was single and then didn't get rid of it. He was, like, with John and had the profile and then yeah. is coming into a new relationship. With, still with it. Still with the profile. I forget. Did John know or did did they no. have that conversation? John didn't know nothing. Okay. So then it makes me wonder what was he doing when he was still with John but seeing Patrick? Well, like were there signs? Yeah, you know? He brought that up, yeah. Ugh, I'm yeah. so bothered. See, by it's this. crazy to me because Kevin was so he was so um he didn't feel any guilt at all. No. You know, he was very like, This is who I am. Like I, I want to see other people. Well, I want to be with you, but I also want to be able to see other people and hook up with other people. But he wasn't ashamed of it. No, he was very confident. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to look like an attack on Kevin, because like you know, it's not. That's, I don't even think Kevin's. In, I don't know if Kevin's even in the wrong here. Exactly, right. I, it's I, not I, that he's in the wrong. I just, I just think it's like a reevaluation of the match. Mm-hmm. You yes. know. Mm-hmm. And and their expectations are just. It seems like they're so skewed. Like they are not on the same page at all. And and there was just a lot of assumptions. Like Kevin seemed to assume Patrick would be cool with him. Do you think he did though? Do you think he assumed it? I think. Well, because now I'm thinking maybe he knew Patrick wouldn't be okay with it, so he was going to introduce it in a. Like, oh, we've okay, already in a mellow way. Here's another thing. Okay, going back to this, the yeah. reason I have a problem with this as an outsider, it's like kind of hard to report on my own show. But like, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like he had it on. He was like in the room with it on. Like, he must, did he turn it on in the bathroom? Like, right. it was like a, he, he had it on that day since he moved in. It wasn't like, hey, let's turn on Grinder and just see who's gay in the building with your boyfriend. Yeah, that would be different. You, that would be different. Yeah. Like, but it was like on. I mean, it's just weird. Although. Although, to, in his defense, again, it did have Romford, which is like so obviously him. He, it's not like he was trying to hide anything. So it's yeah, like there's right. a lot of like mm-hmm. stuff. there's a lot of things that we didn't have time to like he, work out yet. Yeah. Would he like just do that because he's assuming he would know Patrick would never be on Grinder? I just am trying to figure well, out how sneaky Patrick, he actually don't is. Don't you have it on your phone? Right. Oh, you're right. He did. Oh, so God. many questions, so many assumptions, <laughs> such lack of trust. Back to I, Augustine and Eddie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I think we've beaten that to the pulp. That horse pulp, is dead. Yeah. Okay, so Augustine and Eddie, they're at this mural oh, unveiling. <laughs> Magic. Magic. Just yeah, you're running this show. <laughs> and you are rocking the Santa costume. Yes. 
That seems like it's Augustine's thing because he loves it. He wants you in it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're like picking apart every detail of our appearance in this episode. (laughs) I I wish there was more of you in this episode, but it was very Patrick and Kevin. Yes. But we do see you guys being coupley and kissing. At the I know, event. finally, right? Yeah, like, it was a really long build-up. I mean, we didn't we didn't kiss for a really long time, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of assumptions I was seeing of people wondering if we did or did it off camera, you mm. know, because anything that happened in our relationship was off camera. But until we finally, uh, till Eddie and Augustine finally got together. But I think it's such a sweet love story, isn't it? It is. I really just loved so it. Sweet. We loved it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just so fun yeah. to like let it unfold that way. Do you see your character moving as fast in your relationship as like the Kevin and Patrick relationship has evolved? Like they're moving in together. I don't want to say because I, I already have an idea okay. of where it would go, and I don't even want to <laughs> go there. <laughs> they're married. Do you want to do right. They get married the next the season three, <laughs> season episode three one, of marriage of Eddie uh, and Augustine looking at his wedding. <laughs> it took five episodes to kiss, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I'm 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 happy with how we were left off with Eddie and Augustine. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, especially you know with uh, Augustine using his talents now for something that actually is benefiting things, and I think it's a really good place that he's in. I mean, what a turnaround he did from yeah, he's come a long way. Augustine's really grown a lot. Yeah, you know. Do you feel like Eddie has changed Augustine for the better? It's a little um, wicked. I, I, really, I love yeah. it. <laughs> he's been changed for good. for good. As any good relationship, I think you both change each other. Yeah. You know, I think. Um, Eddie also had a lot of walls up that Augustine broke down. So, um, yeah, I think they changed each other. You know, I like to say that scene. I, I never said it to you guys before that they they both had baggage, but they had matching luggage. It's so true, and it's a great parallel because it's like these two characters are so there's so, it's such a symbiotic relationship, so opposite of what we've got with Patrick and Kevin, yeah. just sort of <laughs> tearing each other apart and hitting against all of their damage, their baggage clashes. Yeah. Now, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, Augustine makes like a, an excuse about how he doesn't want to do do it because he said he's feeling symptoms of prep. There's like a line where he says, he's like, I don't feel good. Can, I want to dive into that a little bit because I don't know nearly anything at all about prep. And I know some people do. And there's also a lot of people on Twitter I've been seeing commenting on the YouTube videos and stuff. They're like, what is prep? Let's talk about prep. As as an ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor Age Yes, I knew you'd be perfect for this. I do want to talk about that. I can tell you a little bit about it. Uh, Prep is a drug that was previously used in the cocktail of drugs uh, for HIV patients for about 10 years now. And so the side effects long-term have been seen, you know, very minimal. Um, things like queasiness and, and stuff like that. Uh, and for the last year, it has been approved for everyone, straight or gay, as a drug that combined with um, uh, protected sex, it, it makes it nearly impossible to transmit HIV. Impossible for uh-huh. uh, uh, discordant couples, like mixed-status couples, to be able to have... Uh, sex with very little, very, very, very little risk. Wow. And what's interesting is you're, you're more likely to contract HIV from a person that doesn't know that they have it versus someone who does have it and is taking the proper measures to prevent the right. transmission. So this is a really... I mean, I was so excited. I didn't know how deep it was going to get into it. And, you know, you're, when you're in the moment and you're filming it, it wasn't until seeing the whole series that I realized how revolutionary um, HBO, Michael Lennon, and Andrew Haig were in c- including these storylines into the show. Because not only do we get to see how how um, 
prep is used and how they make it work. But we get to see a mixed status couple having sex on TV, and we get to see them. We get to see the uh, HIV positive character Eddie Bear being pursued. You know, it was a lot of things that we haven't seen on television before. So I mean, it's just amazing that I was able to be a part of that in any way. Like you know, um, but. Uh, Prep is a tool that people really need to know about now. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about it. People think that you can use it uh, without a condom, and it, technically you can, but it's less effective. Like the full effect is when you are completely protected. Um, and uh, there's a lot of a misconception that people who use it are, are more promiscuous than people who don't, which is like not the case either. Um, it's a daily pill that you take every day. Much like Propecia like or whatever. Birth control. Birth control. Yeah, yeah. Or birth control. Yeah. And it has a lot of the same stigmas that birth control had, which was discussed in uh, Looking for Gordon Freeman. You know, um, there was uh, talking about how it could, lib- it, like, birth control could liberate women, and there was a lot of things that went around talking about how women were going to be more promiscuous and stuff like that when birth control came on. So it's a lot, the gay community is dealing with a lot of that, but I think straight people need to realize it's for them too. You know, like, that's a, it's a big thing now. I, I totally feel that this is going to this drug is so revolutionary and going to help so many people and along with like Glad and Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation I talk about it whenever I can but I, I, I honestly feel sometimes when I'm speaking about it now that someone would go back on YouTube and watch this five years later and I'm like there's this thing called the intranet <laughs> <laughs> well I mean let's hope let's hope that let's that's, hope, right? that's what happens you know I recently uh, did an appearance on the doctors that show the doctors uh-huh. in, uh, in, in support of PrEP and talking and asking Hollywood to create more HIV positive characters in different lights and different situations um, across TV. And Dr. Rachel on the show asked me, well, you know, as an African-American female, I don't necessarily want to be taking a pill every day for 40 years. And the, and I was like in the car on the way home, like, I should have said that if you take the pill, every, if everyone took the pill every day, HIV wouldn't be around for 40 yeah, years. Yeah, it wouldn't last. So I think that's like really important mm-hmm. to know, mm-hmm. like, um, in these news stories that we're telling, what it's like to be a person living with HIV in this age of prevention and treatment. And that we, you know, we have the tools right now to end HIV by 96%. Wow. New infections by 96%. And it's like so important just to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So look up PrEP. Go to Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation if you have any more questions. Um, you can find out more information there. Um, but it's definitely something to look into. It's it's a really um, interesting part of the show that they can sprinkle in all these really current things. Oh yeah, and, and make, do it in a way that it's natural and like yes. we're just people are just totally. talking about it's, it. Yeah. Never felt forced. It was just always like this is what's happening. This is what's going on right now. It's real. For these people. Yeah. I want to really quickly just touch on Dom and Doris. Um, just because, you know, <laughs> breaking we up. Love they had a breakup, but it was like very sweet. And, yeah. and Dom has grown just as much as Augustine. I mean, he used to be having sex with like little 20 year olds all across the city and like <laughs> only rolling with those kind of people. And then he met Lynn and then he's like worked on his business and now here he is. And he, he's come to terms that he needs to spread his wings and fly and not use Doris's money. I think that's a hard thing for a a guy and girl best friend, like a gay guy, and you know, like that's that's something that a lot of them go through, you know, where they have to actually have that breakup moment. As soon as one of them get a serious relationship, it's like, well, I'm gonna go see that movie with this person, or you know, I know I have one a plus one, but I'm gonna take this person. You know, it's a hard uh, separation to have, Um, but you know, sometimes it could be the relationship could be a crutch like as it seemed like it was becoming for them yeah but they did it so maturely though it was very 
after the fact. There's, a, oh, there's a not oh, so yeah, great yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not, not that, not that. Yeah. But I mean, the whole wreath talk and yes. you know, yes. yeah, it was I very like Doris and yeah. very Dom. I love it. I loved the scene where I don't. Dom went to Malik when he's at work at City Hall. And like Malik is all suited up, yeah. and I, I love a man dressed up. Uh, How cute is Malik, by the way? He's oh like, my god, I love him. The sweetest. I just want to hug him. Yeah, he's perfect for Doris. You know, he's so cute, and she's she's like this rough and tough little girl, and then he's he's just so chill, and he like he takes her as she is. I love yeah. that. And when they're talking, when he's talking on the steps with Dom, Dom says, "Do you love her?" And he goes, "Big time." Yeah. I thought that was like the cutest thing. I want a Malik. <laughs> looking for a Malik. Yeah, look at, that's, that's my own spinoff on YouTube. Kylie's looking for Malik. Um, so, so the thing about this episode was, you know, the side stories were tied up fairly nicely, but then the big Patrick and Kevin was left so open wide that we're all just hanging in for season three, and we don't even know if we'll have it yet. Do you have any idea when? I mean, I'm fairly confident. You know. Yeah. Um, I think people really want it. So. Yeah. Yeah. The following sure has really grown yes. this season, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that's going to open up even more. You know, a lot of people watch it together in groups. And um, I think that now that HBO Now is going to be... Yes. Most people like to binge watch. They wait for the season to end before they watch it. I mean, I know a lot of people who watch the whole series just in the past few days. Like, you know, yeah. now that we've finished, all these tweets I'm getting that's like, I just watched everything. I mean, the first season's four hours. Yeah. When you put yeah. it together. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So I think it's, yeah. so I watched, I binge watched the first season. I waited until it was over before I saw everything. So, mm. um, I'm imagining that people are going to do that still. Uh, but, I mean, we have really diehard fans. So. <laughs> when you were cast into the show, how much did you know about your character going into it? Everything. Well, um, the, uh, it, this was interesting for me. It was um, they uh, were thinking about me when they were writing it. You know, we met, we met up, and so I met with Andrew Haig at breakfast, and he was like, uh, "We want you to play this character, Eddie. Um, he's a bear, and um, he's sexy. So don't worry. Like, it's not you know." And I was like, "Okay, good. You know, because that was like my next question. I mean, and he was just like, and um, he, we we think of him as a love interest for Augustine. And I'm just trying to think if I'm going." too far into telling you like a little story <laughs> nobody was like and uh, it's going to be complicated it's not going to be easy like they're going to work through it and part of that is you know he has HIV but that's not going to be one of the reasons why it's complicated like he's going to be living happy and healthy with HIV and that to me was so progressive I, I mean it hit me like whoa because I had recently been doing work uh, trying to do work with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation and found out that one of my best friends is po- just uh, became pause and was talking to them about how to get him care and then all of a sudden this role comes up which is what really led to me feeling like I could magnify my voice yeah. and be an ambassador for them um, so it all just seems so serendipitous and I mean this and he told me a little bit about the story um, initially I was supposed to come in at Russian River and s- like the first time you would see me I would be swinging on a tire swing into the water at Russian River, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds so cool!" <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, but there wasn't enough water. Oh. <laughs> oh. The drought. The drought. The drought. The drought. Like, actually, that canoe. There's like it's like three feet of water. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like I was even thinking about like, should I just walk up to the canoe like, like, and, and no, just like that would be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try something else. Yeah. We'll try something else. I was a little oh. bummed to lose oh. the tire swing moment. Yeah, I seriously, that would, be awesome. that would have been so cool. And even that morning, everyone's like, "So you're." Gonna be jumping into the water, and I was like, "Yes!" And then you know, like, there's no water. <laughs> there's no water in California, guys. Really, yeah, I, I, love, I love telling the story, but that same day, um, 
it was bittersweet because Joan Rivers had passed away that same day that we started filming the Russian River scene. And so, but working with all these wonderful people, and I'm excited to start my new role. And we're filming that scene, and I'm standing up on that little hill, and then um, I turn around, and there's a bunch of naked bears in a circle having a moment of silence for Joan. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Which I think Joan would find hysterical. She would yeah, love for that. Sure. She, what if she might have prearranged it? They were like, does anyone, there's like, bear, like naked and moo-mooed bears, like anyone want to have a moment of silence with us for Joan? And then getting in a circle, which I thought was that's like amazing. equal parts hilarious and adorable. Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. Great way to start the, the shooting yeah. process. Yeah. God, when I die, can you guys arrange some naked bears in a circle? That would be that would mean a I lot. Have a few numbers. Thank you. Even if it's just you alone. Or just okay. one naked bear. The naked bear. Yeah, the Eddie bear. The official. All right, I could talk to you for hours, but it's getting to be that time. We have to wrap things up. I am so thankful that you came in here to wrap up the season with us. Thank um, you. I'm so happy to be here, and thanks everybody for watching. Yeah. And if you haven't watched yet and you're going to watch this later, then tweet me. What's up, Danny? Let me know what you think. Perfect. <laughs> and can you tell us also where we can find more uh, Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation information? Can you give us the website? Yes. Uh, you can look up the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation or on Twitter it is ET underscore AIDS underscore FDN. Great. Perfect. You're like the perfect fit for the ambassador. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Here you I should am. have like a sash. A little crown. Listen. Yeah, I should have worn my ribbon. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again so much for coming in. Kelly, where can everybody find you on the internet? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Kinez. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake McIver. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Kylie Hodges or, oh, actually Instagram is just at Kylie Hodges. I always forget. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching. I'm so excited for hopefully a season three to come in soon. Hopefully. And thank you, Daniel, for coming in. Yes, Woo! Yes. See you guys next season. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 